Hustler, word I pull the trigger long. Grip my teeth, spray to every nigga's gone. Got my block sewn on my dope spot. Last thing I sweat, so suck a punk cop. Move like a king when I roll hop. You try to flex, bang, another nigga drop. You gotta deal with this, cause in the way out, why? Cash money Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the B Side Podcast for the Film Stage website. I am Dan Mecca, joined with the one and only Connor O'Donnell, and here on the B-Side, as you well know, we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today we're betting on black, and that's a line from one of his movies, so don't worry, it's Wesley Snipes, the one and only, the, one of the, uh, but in, I, one, one of the great action stars of the 90s. Um, and a guy we have been excited to do, my my cinephile shirt that I own, courtesy of Corey Everett, is the passenger, Wesley right? Snipes. The passenger 57, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wesley Snipes from Passenger 57. John Cutter himself. Um, great name. Great name. Connor, how are you? How's life? What's going on? Uh, I'm fine. It's I have my air conditioning turned off. It's a hot one in New York today. Uh, as people on film Twitter would say, it's Spike Lee hot outside. Um, oh, that's funny. You know, so it's um, yeah. It's a is is one, so. other now this I've seen. I think I literally think I've seen every Spike fictional feature other than Girl Six. And my question would be: Oh, and I have not seen Get on the Bus. Actually, those are the mm. two I think I haven't seen, and I haven't seen a few of the docs. Obviously, there's many. Um, is there another movie like Do the Right Thing where the heat is 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 a huge not, part of it? I I don't know about that, but it like I, like I think not it's cr- just, is, is it in Crooklyn? No, right? I don't think I'm trying to think like, of other. Like a, I don't think as a plot point. I just think he. I think it's part part of it is the tendency to, if it's summer in New York in his movies, even if it's not a plot point, because obviously when people say it's spikely hot outside, they I think they are referring directly. To do the right thing. No, 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 of course. But yes. but yeah, I always kind of d- did kind of tie it in because I do feel like if it's summertime in New York in his movies, right, it just looks a certain way. Even I mean, in which I'm sure we'll we, you know, we've talked about before and I'm sure we'll mention it a little bit, but even in like Mo Better Blues, in like some of the outside scenes, particularly some of the flashbacks where it feels like it's summer, it like feels just warm. Like, you know, I don't know. There's like something about a hot New York summer. That, it's true. Uh, that I feel like pervades some of it, but um, but in any case, yeah, it's really hot, and I have my air conditioning turned off. Or, uh, so you know, just well, working through it. <laughs> funny enough, it's storm. It's storming here, so you might catch that. Oh, you know, because I'm in Pittsburgh, so it, the the heat might break for you soon. Uh, oh, well, there record. you go. So I wanted to. We mentioned this before we dive into snipes. I mentioned this in the last episode. I wanted to um, shout out just a few comments we got over the years. It's literally years at this point. Um, and I and I've been meaning just to say thank you for some comments and reviews. So really quickly from Big Old Gorpy One Hundred. Only a few months ago, he said five stars, informative and chill. And the titles this podcast rules. Very nice. About a year ago, I am awesome and I know it. So good on the lookout for Nicole Kidmanette, which made me think that had to be our friend Glenn Dunks. 
Oh, possibly. But yeah. maybe could obviously a lot of people love uh, uh, a lot of people love Nicole Kidman. But it reminded me that whenever we do the Nicole Kidman app, which we will do, we should get Glenn on for it. Yeah, yeah. We, who's an Australian writer? We'll hijack him from the mixed reviews. Who I think they had him as their Nicole Kidman expert. But honestly, oh, I, did they? Okay, well, he would thing, come back. Wouldn't he, he come back? He, for I more think Nicole? he would come back. And I, you know, I don't want to. Speak I forgot more, about that. But I think he would come back. And I think uh, you know. I, can you get a better Nicole Kidman expert? Well, that's the thing. Exactly. I mean, we know him a long time and he, and he knows his Nicole. Uh, another one from High, High Exalted, uh, incredibly informative, the best. Love you guys. Very kind. And then finally, great concept for movie fans from Casey Crow. I followed over from the TFS main podcast feed and really enjoy this concept of the show. Been listening since the beginning and wish y'all the best. Um, so very, very kind. And yes, we appreciate anybody who's come from obviously the film stage main feed over to the B side podcast. As you have if you've list if you've been listening, you know we've been diversifying some content. We've been doing the final frame stuff where we dive into great filmmakers' final movies. Um, and we've been interviewing people who ha- are subjects of, of their own B sides in a lot of respects, Rennie Harlan most recently. Director of, director of Cutthroat Island, which our friend Corey pointed out, Quentin Tarantino yet again brought up during his press tour for his book that about positively about Cutthroat Island, which Rennie had mentioned on our podcast, which was funny to hear Quentin kind of just mention Cutthroat Island in the in the in the context of, I think the context of of him bringing it up was literally. The stunts are so great in that underrated movie from the mid nineties, yeah, which, which we talked is, about. I think win, lose, or draw with that movie. To like, I I think that is an inarguable point, right? When you, exactly when you watch it, yeah, exactly right. So thank you um, for those kind words for the five star ratings we've gotten. We really appreciate it. Keep following, keep listening, keep rating as you can, and just a general thank you to like you know Gavin Mevius and Louie over at the Mixed Reviews who are always great about you know, retweeting our stuff and, um, you know, Sundays with Kate and it pod to be you. And like, just these great other podcasts that are, are, we, we, there's a, there's a brotherly sisterly familial love for all these things. Watch with Jen, obviously Jen Johans was just on our podcast. And uh, any, of course, and yes. And any of the, uh, any of the one heat minute, any of the Blake Howard, podcasts. yeah, any of the exactly. the many Blake Howard podcasts. Um, so there's a million, a million people we could thank, but just wanted to take a minute and say thank you, and we appreciate kind of the the kindness and the camaraderie and, and all that. So you know who I'm all, thankful for. Go ahead, please, Wesley. Wesley, Wesley. Well, so Wesley, quickly, we don't always talk about the bios because you know we jump into the movies, but it is interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I think. So he's currently fifty eight on the precipice of fifty nine at the end of this month. As a matter of fact, Wesley Trent Snipes, born in Orlando, Florida, good but name. moved. That's his given name. A given name. Oh wow, good. Yeah, born born uh, in Orlando, but then quickly moved to the Bronx, where he grew up. Uh, he grew up uh, most of his life, and he went. Did you know? Connor I did. to the high school of performing arts, which is the fame school. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. He and yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. And he he on very in various interviews and podcasts and whatnot, he's talked about that and how, you know, if you watch fame, he's like, you know, it's only somewhat exaggerated, right? It's like it's, right, right. you know, you just he's like, it's a lot of that stuff it would be happening, uh, at least when he went there. 
Um, but yeah, sorry, continue. No, no. And he ended up not graduating, as a matter of fact, and moved back to Orlando with um, his family, which I think was tough for him, he said in, in these interviews uh, that we we listened to for, for some research. But ultimately, that move resulted in meeting the people who would then get him essentially in front of the people he needed to get in front of. And then he's in stuff like Wildcats with Goldie Hawn, Streets of Gold. Um, and then he he turns down a small role in Do the Right Thing mm-hmm. to play Willie Mace Hayes in Major League, which is the first of many sports movies, which I guess I knew how many sports movies, but like to to go back and to like go back and look at the filmography and watch some of them. I'm reminded how many because yeah. Major League, The Fan, White Men Can't Jump. Undisputed. Undisputed, Drop Zone, which is one of our B-sides. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah sure. and, I'm, and I think I'm forgetting he like plays basketball in The Art of War, which is another yeah. one of our B-sides. I guess which, I, you know. Yeah, The Art of War, When we, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. That I, is a crucial scene to the it, ridiculous it, plot of that movie. It, it certainly is. Um, no, yeah, and I guess even Drop Zone, which is another one of our beasts. That's a sport. That's a sport. Yeah, no, it totally is. And shame on me for kind of, you know, I, I. Just... Though he never skydove because the insurance company would not bond it. Yes, and you can tell when you watch the movie for. <laughs> yeah. It's, um... Which, which once again, I will ask into the ether, and I just can't <laughs> believe I have not seen this article. Someone write the article about how they bond. I think it's Tom Cruise for the Mission Impossible I, movies. I think it's how is this not something I've read? I think it's got to be you, buddy. I think you got to. But I, that means I have to become a journalist. You again. just I have to properly done that. You just have to be the change, years. man. You got to be the change. Uh, That's all. I have to like. I have to. I do that for my day job for <laughs> crew members. That I have to like find people. Um, but anyway, okay. So Wesley Snipes, right? So and then look among you know. So he has this. Um, you know, you know, he grows up with not a lot, right? He talks very openly about that. But then at a relatively young age, he becomes pretty famous. I mean, if one of your first movies is Major League, if you go back and you watch David Ward's Major League, Willie May or Willie Mays Hayes, who is, is the character Wesley Snipes plays, he is the breakout star of that movie. Sure. Charlie Charlie Sheen was already a star and but he's, he's kind obvious. of like the anchor. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Sheen No, that's what I'm saying. I yeah, mean yeah. That, you gotta put yourself back in the late eighties. Like Sheen is how you get the funding for the movie. Behringer's yeah. how you get the funding. Behringer's coming off of Platoon. Right. Sheen's coming off of Platoon and and Wall Street. Yeah. Right. And these things. Snipes is the one where you're like Oh, who's this guy? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? and it and it really is kind of like a Fast and Furious like rise. Tokyo Drift, Tokyo rise. Drift, yeah. yeah, yeah, Fast ampersand, a Lucas yeah. Black like rise. <laughs> um, but no, it is. It really is because, like you said, yeah, he does. He does Wildcats with Goldie Hawn, Streets of Gold, it's a sports movie. Yeah, also a yeah, sports sports movie. movie. Yes, um, he has a cameo in a movie called Critical Condition. Uh, well, that's as, the, the Richard the Richard Pryor movie. Yeah. yeah, and and then but yeah, after Major League, it's King of New York, Mo Better Blues, which we go into on our uh, Denzel. He finally Wa- he finally works with Spike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, works with Denzel Washington f- first and only time, right? On right. on on Mo Better, New Jack City, cult classic, right? Well, not only a cult classic, but 
an icon like i would say almost I, now a classic right like well, it's not a, even it a, doesn't even have well no no, no it wasn't even anymore. a i don't even think you'd call it a cult classic because it was a hit when it came out and nino brown you would now call like maybe not tony man not maybe not tony montana levels of sure. iconic but close right and sure. and the famous line you know, sit your five out five dollar ass down before I make change. Right, right which like, for my money is probably the best. I know you mentioned the bet on or always bet on black. Always right? bet on black, and some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah, yeah. I think I just personally, to me, I don't even know if there's a better movie threat than sit your five dollar ass down before I make. Well, change. and also if like, you watch the scene, he literally has a sword at the guy's. Yeah. And it's thing, and it's I think, great. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, yeah, New Jack, Jungle Fever, works with Spike again. again the yep. best character name in the history of cinema, Flipper Purify. <laughs> um, he makes the water dance, which is um, a movie you cannot find. Yeah. I, like, really wanted to watch this movie. It probably should have been one of our B-sides, if we're being well, honest, because it's so... It would have been yeah, hard to find. Yeah. I, mean, would have, I mean, Neil Jimenez, who did... Um, who did uh, Sleep With Me and a couple other kind of Sundance indies. Scott the Water Eric Stoltz in it, who's also in Sleep With Me. And also yeah. Sleep With Me. And um, Sleep With Me, probably now most famous because it has that Tarantino Top Gun Top monologue Gun in the monologue, middle right. of it. Yeah. But, but um, Water Dance, well-reviewed Sundance film from the early 90s. And then and then, it, and then you go, and then we're about to hit our B-sides. He goes, White Men Can't Jump, huge hit, Ron Shelton, iconic movie. Passenger 57, truly a movie I think is like incredible. Kevin I, Hooks, like no incredibly underrated director. Yeah, no hyperbole. I would say certainly a top. I don't know, 25, 30 action movie of all time. Like, oh no, I don't, doubt. it's it's so we don't have to dive into. And it in the world, and in and in the world of Die Hard comes out. Let's make another Die Hard. Right, like There's, not Die Hard movies. Yeah, it's great. Other than Speed, it's as the best yeah right? it's like, like other than speed and air force one right, right? yeah I, i'd put i'd put passenger 57 right with air force one. yeah it's but like it's, but it's very yeah, yeah i think like passenger 57 feels like it could have been a diehard movie and would have been better than basically every other diehard sequel except me depending on how you with feel about diehard with a vengeance right so right. I, I think that's maybe the only other competition but like uh you know, sorry, um, sorry to Rennie Harlan, I suppose, but um, well, yeah, no, but yeah, it is, I mean, it is great. I will just say, if 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 you haven't seen Passenger Fifty Seven, yeah, uh, watch it. It's it's and then, under eighty five minutes. It's great. And then our, our our and then the one that comes right after is the beginning of our B sides, which he makes Boiling Point with um, Dennis Hopper, directed by James B. Harris, who we'll talk about. That's our first movie, Boiling Point. And then only the next year does he make Drop Zone, directed by John Badham, starring um, himself and and Gary Busey and Witchblade herself, <laughs> Yancey Butler. That's our second movie, Drop Zone. And then we we unfortunately skip to Wong Fu, but that's not a B side. No, it's we, not. Money Train. We probably could have done. That's an underrated uh, reunion. Is of, that a? Um, I feel like. I don't know. I feel yeah. like people know and like that. Wesley movie, Woody right? reunion with a we could talk about it a with, with a suit with a Susan of uh, J Lo. I mean, Dan, in there. let's be honest. It's our podcast. We can talk about it's what our, we, we want. We can do whatever so. we want. <laughs> and then, um, and then we're gonna, and then we're cheating. I think a little bit on this one because then we skip a couple and then we hit ninety eight U S Marshals, which it underperformed. You know, sequel to The Fugitive. 
I, it's an A minus side, a B plus <laughs> side. It's certainly a movie that got a lot of. I think it's one of those movies where you call it a B side because it's largely disregarded at this point. Um, though you know, I think it played on TNT basically constantly for forty five years, and then. He makes Down in the Delta, which is Maya Angelou's movie that she makes, uh, which is interesting. He makes Blade, which, of course, gets a lot of play, of course, uh, rightfully so. And then our final B-side, or fourth B-side, is a little movie called The Art of War, directed by Christian Duguay, which got a sequel, a straight That's to was in. DVD sequel, Art, yeah. Art of War 2 Betrayal, which came out about a decade later. Um, All right, Wesley Snipes, when did we know about Wesley Snipes in our life. I would say this. Mm. Um, Blade comes out in 98. I've said this ad nauseum on this podcast. I saw plenty of movies at a young age because my mom would rent them and she would just be like, I'm watching Blade. Like, you're here. We're watching Blade. Yeah. yeah. So I'm quite certain at the ripe young age of 10, which I guess isn't that young, but pretty young for Blade's pretty violent. I would certainly watch Blade. And I... Loved Blade. I mean, loved. And, you know, I've said before on this podcast, as we're recording, he's uh, a, a fresh topic because of his Marvel comments. Steven Dorff, an actor, <laughs> an actor I love, is given what I think is the best performance I've ever seen in a movie in, in Sofia Coppola somewhere. This, you know, Dorff was a kid actor, and this was kind of probably the 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 peak of his career before somewhere and even somewhere itself kind of came and went mm. except for critic circles and even not all critics love somewhere. Um, he's Deacon Frost and him and like him and snipes in this movie. And we're not going to talk a lot about blade, but just in terms of my memory, like truly a great villain, you know, the first real modern Marvel hero, um, right, which you know, people forget. Yeah, yeah, I don't think people forget now because, like, yeah. people always remind people, and as they should, like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, it came before X Men, right? And and it was a hit. Um, and you know, Stephen Norrington, who then went on to make League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then kind of basically stop and recalibrate after because that was kind of a pretty famous debacle, and it, you know, so so much of a debacle that Sean Connery retired from acting. Um, <laughs> Allegedly, because he hated Norrington so much, right? That was oh, the, the root. So that was just, so really, Stephen. It's, it was all his fault that we. I mean, the word on the the word in the trades. Who knows? Was just like Connery always had a reputation of being challenging to his directors, which is obviously you know if you're an actor sure. and you're an actor who's con like of Connery's stature, that's not you know to be expected. And I think it might have just been a case of Norrington being a young guy, you know, only making one of his first movies, and you know Connery them just not. I mean, this is all conjecture, but yeah, it ended badly. So, so, so that's my first snipes. It's it's blade, blade, uh, blade at a young age. Um, I like there are things about blade. I recently rewatched it with my brother, and like, blade certainly is one of those movies for me. Like, full scenes are etched in my mind, like sure. from here to eternity. And rewatching it with my brother. It was like it was like a non-flashback. I was like, yeah. you know, I always remember the blood, um, like the 
the bloodletting contraption he gets locked into at the end. At the end yeah. Uh-huh. That's like going through the labyrinth of like the thing. The altar or whatever that he's the altar. Yeah. I always remember, you know, Dorf turning into like a big blood blob. I always remember, um, I always remember the opening with the the uh, holy water, right? Where is that? No, or is that too? Are you well, there's the blood, or am I thinking of Constantine? And you're confusing the blood rave and blade. The with, blood, the blood rave, the, yeah. where its blood comes out of yes, the sprinklers. Correct. Yes. Which, but I, now that you say that, though, now I'm wondering because I, I was gonna, that might be too. Yeah, I was gonna rewatch Blade for this, and then I was like, Nah, it's Blade. I've seen it. I, I don't. But now I'm, I don't. Now, now I'm confusing. confusing. Well, Blade Two also great. Guillermo del Toro, of course. Yeah. yeah which, uh, in one of the things I was listening to for for prep on this, uh, Snipes cited as one of his three fav- top three favorite movies that he ever did. Was Blade Two? Yeah yeah blade 2 is basically great like blade 2 yeah. is 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 basically there's a, a there's perfect a con- it's almost like aliens right where it's sure, like right yeah that's a good it's call. almost does the same thing where it's like yeah you like these things we'll do more of them and this time it'll work and you're like yeah totally that yeah, yeah makes yeah. sense yeah, yeah. Um, um so anyway that's my snipes what about you mine uh, i guess mine must have been blade but if it wasn't white men uh I didn't see that until late high school. So it must have been, it must have been, I do remember major league being on TV like all the time. Right. And then I remember, um, I also do remember catching demolition man at kind of a young age. So yeah, that's one I didn't catch till way later. Now that said, to me, obviously, like Major League, I think I more recognized Charlie Sheen, right? And with Demolition Man, it was just a little bit more of a Stallone movie in terms of me being a kid and recognizing faces. So that said, I do think Blade was the first time I was like aware of like, oh, Wesley Snipes as an individual like movie star. Um, which for and I'll me, say, I'll say, can I say something? Yeah. They're making the blade whatever with Mahershala, which is cool. It's a great idea. Sure. Uh, as the Marvel stuff goes, can can we just get can we just get Wesley in there just like as like the old blade? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like do was... a, do do a Zorro thing like right. like have him be like the old. I don't blade know if it could technically. Down. I don't know if it could technically work that way, but yeah, whatever. I well, mean. I it's just with, fiction. With, with, yeah, and with the shit that they do now and all those movies, it could be a different Yeah, universe. after the Spider-Man a... where the Michael Keaton is in it and the 45 other Batmans or <laughs> Spider-Man. What are they? Batmans? Batmans are in it? Like You're talking about what The is Flash, the... but yeah, they're doing the same thing too. It's... What is the movie that he's in? The, the Flash? Michael Keaton as Batman is in the upcoming Flash movie. Comic books. Yeah. He reads comic books. Barry <laughs> Allen is the Flash. Barry Allen. Are you a Flash uh, fan? What are you talking about? Barry Allen, he's the Flash. Knock, knock. Um, knock, knock. No, but I think uh, when I'd seen Bl- Blade to me was what I would call, it was like a sleepover movie. It was like a movie. Right. Like, I didn't watch it in my house, but like if if at that age, you know, nine or 10 or whenever, 11, whenever, how old we were when it came out, uh, it was like definitely every sleepover, Right. it, it was rented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that. Yeah, and he, and he, and he you know, Wesley made a few of those because i would argue and so as you go through them we'll talk about it yeah like art of war was 100 percent one of those movies art of war certainly was a movie i watched at a sleepover yeah. yeah um 
Uh, so anyway, we'll start with Boiling Point. Um, so James B. Harris uh, writes and directs this. Um, and what makes that interesting is James B. Harris was Stanley Kubrick's uh, producer early on. Oh, and yeah, right. He did Lolita. He, he produced The Killing, Pass the Glory, and Lolita, and then yeah. he w- and then and then he went on to direct a movie with uh, Sidney Poitier and kind of went his own way, and then kind of kept producing and directing. He directed Cop uh, in the late eighties with um, James Woods, and then Boiling Point was the, the follow up to that movie, which we were talking about it off mic. Is kind of Boiling Point, you know, the 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 simple plot of boiling point is um snipes plays a cop named jimmy mercer his partner's dan hedaya the movie opens they're in the middle of like an undercover op of sorts and this other cop who's undercover gets brutally killed in in a in an op gone wrong and they want to catch the guys who killed the cop and the guys who did it is a young Vig- a young psychopathic Vigo Mortensen, yeah, and Dennis Hopper, who's just gotten out of the joint and has this re- these re- this ridiculous strawberry blonde hair, and his name is Red. His name's Red Diamond, which yeah. is a decision. Which I think and- is like a. I don't think that's his. I think that's a name he gives to himself. Well, right, sure, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, but, but, um, yeah, but. Basically, um, he gets out, uh, Hopper does, and he's almost immediately told this guy, Ronnie, who's Viggo Mortensen, is like his mentee, as it were. But he's basically immediately told by Tony Lobianco, who's Tony Dio, who's a mobster, that um, he owes... Up, what is it like fifty thousand? Yeah. Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know the vig the vig's been running right since the whole time he's been in the joint, and that's what he owes him, and and he's got seven days basically to come up with, that. and 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 the 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 crime that resulted in this cop being killed got him like the initial ten to like get the dude off his back for a week, but he still needs the re- you know he still needs the clean fifty, so it's like, so. Hopper's under pressure because that's going on. And then Wesley Snipes, because the op went wrong and it wasn't by the book, he's he's going to get transferred to Newark and he begs his superior to give him a week to essentially catch Hopper and Mortensen. But of course, he doesn't know who they are because they never got eyes on the guys. Right. So it's this idea of like they both have a week for these different reasons and they, you know, they're just both. You know, there's coincidences. You get Lita Devadovich plays a hooker with the heart of gold who is hanging out with uh, Wesley, who's in an estranged marriage and also starts up a, uh, a friendship, you know, courtship with uh, with Dennis Hopper around the same time. And like you have these things where like they go to the bathroom and they're in the bathroom together. They, you know, Wesley Snipes and Dennis Hopper, they don't know who each other are. They ride the elevator together, right? Like yeah. stuff like things like that, that are, I guess they're cute. I I think this movie's okay. I think at its best, uh, this is what we're saying off mic. It has the ideas of, of, of something like heat. Yeah. 
two years before Heat, which and Miami Vice, the show had this too, where it was it's that idea of like, hey, criminals are people too, right? Like yeah. you know, and it, and that's okay. And you I know, think even the, uh, I'll just, I mean I'll, I'll just overall I'll start by saying it. I basically liked this movie kind of more for what it could be than what it is. Cause it is a, it is a, it's messy. It feels a little over edited. I'd actually be curious to read the novel that it's based on because right. I think the, those little cute contrivances and coincidences that you're talking about, they seem like something that might play better and a little more. Not the novel has a better title, by the way, than boiling point. It's called money men. Well, certainly a more accurate title. Oh, well, so I mean, and I think. A, I mean, do you think Boiling Point's a good title? I don't no, know. No, no. I mean, Boiling. Okay, so Boiling Point, I think, is a fine title if you're going for like a John Borman point blank hard end. Right, right, right. It's, it's not it's got, for this movie. It's no, not. not at all. Especially because so the Snipes character, Snipes wasn't the first choice. I think they had originally pitched it to Andy Garcia, and he turned it down. Ooh. I, and I don't know why he. You know, I don't know if he like turned it down because he didn't like it or whatever. It's just he didn't do it right. So it ultimately came to Snipes. I don't know if there was anybody else in between, but it was originally supposed to be Andy Garcia. And uh, put a pin in that, because I'll come back to that when we get to our next B-side as well. But, um, and it, I they changed the title from Money Men to Boiling Point when they got Snipes, because Snipes was right, had risen in fame as an action star. And they were kind of like, and they kind of rewrote the part in the movie a little bit. And essentially re-edited the movie a little bit to pivot away from Hopper and Mortensen and pivot a little bit more towards Snipes because they were like, oh, like, let's try and angle this as a as a uh, Wesley Snipes action movie. So the boiling point title makes sense in that regard. It is Hopper because of all that was like reportedly like super bummed out. And I can kind of see why, because. Hopper at the time had, you know, he was bummed out because he was convinced that this was like one of his better performances or at least one of his more interesting performances. I think it's a pretty good performance, like in terms of I think he's right for the part. I think it's a I think it's to your point about the Miami Vice heat esque thing of like criminals or people, too. I do like the casting of Hopper because yeah, Hopper is the best part of the movie. He, yeah. And it's worth, I, I, w I will say again, I think this movie's messy. It doesn't entirely succeed, but it is worth watching. I think like it, I agree. again, because of a little bit more because of all the stuff we're saying, right? Like because of kind of what the movie wants to be and could be as opposed to what it nets out being. But I think he kind of, him kind of pivoting into being a little bit of a goof and just kind of a, like a, bumbling not he's not an idiot but just kind of like a bumbling you know doofus of a of a criminal is is, uh, is great i think yeah and think about this three years later pacino gets a, a lot of good notices for kind of doing this type of character in donnie brasco right which is right. like sure you know the middleman who has paid for, for the sins of the high of of his bosses in some respects yeah and gets into a situation in which he tries to assert dominance and finds he doesn't have the he doesn't have the wherewithal to do it. No, no, exactly. And it's and kind and, of you know, and Hopper being cast in the role is smart because you got to remember Hopper kind of you know Hopper's whole career is, is an interesting cautionary tale in some respects where you know he comes out 
scolding hot with Easy Rider, right. right? And then basically burns all of the goodwill making the last movie, which is a fascinating uh, follow-up directorial feature if you if you haven't seen that one, the last movie from the early 70s. But he's still a very compelling actor, so then continues to be in stuff in the 70s because it's also the perfect decade to be Dennis Hopper in that sure, respect. Sure, yeah. And just stuff like Apocalypse Now. You know, there's a million things yeah. he's in. But then the 80s kind of become a darker period for him like the movies don't work he directs a couple movies you know stuff like catch fire i think came out like 1990 a couple others in the 80s he's in good stuff he's in vin vendors the american friend right he's Mm -hmm. in good movies but like he's basically underseen by people you know i think burns bridges here and there what have you and i think what you find in the 90s that obviously speaking of speed is is you know calcified with speed and this is right around this time he comes back, right? But yeah. it's a long road back. And that has think, a little bit to do with Hoosiers, too. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. You know, Hoosiers, like, he's yeah. amazing. That's, 80, that's in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he, what I'm saying. And he's amazing Hoosiers. But, but to part. your point, even the role in Hoosiers, and peop, I think you and I even commented on this when this movie came out. I'm, I think, I'm sure people on film Twitter did. But, like, you know, the way back is Hoosiers, but what if it was just about the Dennis Hopper character? Yeah, right? like, exactly. You know, right, like, exactly. And so that kind of was his moment like that in, in the 80s. But but yeah, I don't know. I think he's a, a really good fit. So I do, um, I can, I understand the sentiment of being bummed out of this movie kind of getting pivoted and chopped up a little bit. Um, I don't, I think Snipes is fine, but and it's not necessarily his fault. I think he. I don't think he entirely works. But again, because I think they're trying to shoehorn him into a movie and wrap it around him in a way that it just was. It doesn't feel like it was meant to be right. Um, so that's sort of the the one I think big thing that's like you know I, I think a, a big bummer. And to your point, you know, and you said this earlier. You got to remember, like, so Snipes is all of a sudden a movie star by 1991, right, with New Jack City. Yeah. And then literally, in succession, Jungle Fever, White Men Can't Jump, and Passenger 57 are all hits. Yeah. And they're all different genres. And it's, you know, a good percentage of all of those movies is Snipes, right? So if you're John Hollywood, you're like, wait a minute. Like, can we pivot? And like, you know, James B. Harris, he's directing this movie, but the guy's a producer for God's sake. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm sure he understood that. And, and then, you know, it's funny is boiling point kind of comes and goes, costs 10 million, makes 10 million, right? Like, you know, is, is the truest B side you can imagine because, it's also stuck between stuff, you know, hits like White Men, Passenger 57, it's and Demolition Man. D- not the, e- I mean, you can find it, like you can rent it, you know, on VOD or whatever. But I was uh, curious because the only things I've seen of it are SD, you know, uh, four by three rentals of it. Yeah. So it did make me curious. Like I was like, oh, does this move, like, was this movie shot in fucking four three? Which maybe it could have been. Who I don't know. But 
it was a weird thing where I was like, oh, or is it just like really like this is like the only existing version of the movie left? And it, it could just be got kind of. Yeah, I, I don't know. You, I mean, it could very well you be. You never know. It has. But yeah, generally speaking, I, I would recommend it. I, I think, um, I think the, fir- the first 45 minutes are actually pretty crackling where like, yeah, once you get. Like literally at the moment, which I, I'm kind of guessing at this, but I feel like 30 minutes in when they set up in succession the one week to do these things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. I when I was watching, I thought to myself, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah. I like this con- contrivance. I think this this structure is interesting. And that's when the title kind of made sense. We are like, OK, boiling point, like they're both going to reach a boiling point. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, that, yeah. and then that doesn't really happen. It's like, it's almost like it's, it's, it's very much like a 1940s noir. Yeah. But you don't get Richard Wig- Wigmark at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You, and it's kind of a bummer, you know, the, um, it's funny, Wigmark, you brought Wigmark up. Cause I feel like he would be the, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, um, and, and it's funny. I mean, you mentioned heat and heat, you know, I actually got, I think, you know, if you read about this movie, it kind of heat is the immediate evocation because people are like, oh, yeah. And then they only a couple of years later, they made heat and it was, you know, a masterpiece or whatever. Um, yeah, the epic version I, of this. I, yeah. I kept thinking and I mentioned this to you off mic. I kept thinking of this movie as kind of a it had the bones of what could be like a killing them softly. Right. Like right, a, an right. ensemble crime movie that is maybe a little bit subversive or I don't want to say off kilter, but or like economically aware. Yeah. And, and doesn't necessarily know, you know, it doesn't necessarily pivot into the genre tropes that you think it might, uh, from a lesser movie. And what's funny is, and I'm not trying to dig on like Wesley's nineties action output, but like it's built, uh, that way. Right. And just in terms of its marketing and what they tried to cut the movie into, but it's like far more interesting than any of that. And it's the kind of thing that I don't even think it's that Wesley's wrong for the movie. It's that they just didn't let him be right for it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't let they like they like decided to pivot as opposed to just letting the movie be what it was and seeing, it, you know, and letting him kind of flex different muscles within it. But I do think it's also kind of funny because it does have a little bit of a who's who of like like your Dan Hedaya's like um who's the fucking principal well, paul gleason in, is the is in the one scene from breakfast club yes thank you thank you thank yeah, you paul yeah. gleason yeah uh, yeah he pops up for two seconds and uh, young actually, young vigo a, a, yeah. a pretty good scene actually and yeah that might be funny enough that might be the best scene in the movie it's and a it's very vigo, it's, and it's just vigo mortensen yeah and i i'll say you know that, if it's not it's dennis the, hopper or was he types <laughs> aren't in the scene it is the yeah. be- i think it's the best scene without hopper for sure i think hopper's sure. got some moments that the scene fun, with the scenes with Lolita Davidovich and Hopper are probably the better, the best. Scenes, yes, I think. correct. I, I would agree. I would agree. But um, but, but yeah, to your point it, though, and the, just quickly because you're onto something there. To, to your point, and this is a good kind of a pivot to the next movie. The, even though this is probably not my favorite movie, of the four we're talking about, it's got more on its mind than any of the other three yeah, we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, you can you can see. There's something there. Yeah, absolutely. Which, like I said, I'd be cur- I'd be curious to read the novel. Uh, but again, I you you almost wonder if maybe that's not even in the novel. Maybe it's stuff that Harris was bringing out of it 
that just didn't fully materialize because of the way i think reportedly he had to cut like 10 they, it's pretty sure they made him cut like 10 minutes, 90 minutes out of the movie yeah. um which yeah. i don't i mean who's who's to say what's in the 10 minutes or, or how that would have uh ultimately affected things all that's to say i I wish Snipes was given a little bit more room to maybe try something a little bit more straight and dramatic as as opposed to something that maybe bled a little bit more into an action movie like they even it's in that you can look it up. It's in the trailer even. But they um, there's even like a standard Wesley Snipes jumping through the air and kicking things moment where in the when the cop gets killed in the beginning he and dan hadea run into the motel and wesley snipes rather than just like bursting through the door like anybody else would in an you know in an action thriller or whatever wesley snipes leaps through the air and kicks the door down and it made me realize that like i love watching wesley snipes jump over things <laughs> like oh yeah he, he does it he just does it a ton like he does it in a couple of the other movies we'll talk about i think like, he does it in all of them yeah that we're gonna talk about it's yeah. like a thing it's like he needs to run and like jump well you know i mean you got to remember snipes well, he's a fascinating guy to talk about in some respects because he really does cross a lot of boxes off sure. he is very openly a multi-hyphenate he talks about it all the time he considers himself kind of a like a master of many trades, right? In all of his interviews, he talks very openly, like he thinks he's a good singer and a dancer, and he does these different forms of martial arts. And yeah, you he's know, got all two, the, like he's got in two separate forms of martial arts, like high level black belts. And 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 he yeah. is obviously talented in those respects. I mean, yeah. he does these things, you know, whether it's Blade, I, whether it's these other movies. I think it's his defining attribute, frankly. Like I think his, no, and, and his he, physicality. And, and you got to remember, he is the the black action star of the 90s i mean he had the mantle this is before will smith denzel's still young and denzel's and shit like the pelican brief so like they're big movies but he's more of a romantic lead like wesley from 90 to 95 like right like from 90 to men in black from 1990 to men in black wesley is the guy in terms of like your action movies and even it's not even the same thing like watching wesley not even perform on screen in any kind of physical way is like very because even when denzel becomes an action star it's a it's a very different kind of action star and same thing with will smith but like yeah like watching wesley like i said like just anytime i watch him like fly through the way more kinetic way more yeah spin and kick somebody you can just feel and it it's something he i think the the big problem that he runs into as an actor is i think he has a hard time when he has to bottle that up like i think he has a hard time not letting it out in his performances which is where you get like a you know you get like a nino right in new jack city you get uh a simon phoenix right that's his name in uh oh hell yeah demolition man right well well, look it's these very turned up high energy almost uh you know, almost cartoonish performances because I think all that energy just needs to come out of him. But I think, and I, and I think, and I think as he's had this comeback, as we record more recently coming to America, Dolomite is my name. Uh, Even a few years ago, Spike puts him in Chirac, which he's great in. Yeah. Um, Even Brooklyn's finest, which is not a very good movie. Antoine Fuqua's movie from a decade ago. He's good in that movie. He's like the villain gangster in that. I think what you learned, maybe what he learned, maybe what the world learned, I don't know. 
keep the energy high. Like in yeah, Chirac, it's, he's, it's, it's, it's operatic. It's beautiful. Yeah. Dolomite, he should have been nominated or won God, for that performance so as a supporting actor. Like, you know, and coming to America as mixed as it is, he's, and he's not only in a few scenes, he is stealing scenes yeah. from Eddie Murphy yeah, in Arsenio yeah, yeah. Hall in that movie. He's very, yeah. very fun. So all this to say, a good example maybe of, of the downside that you're referring to is Drop Zone, which is the John Badham movie where you were alluding to this. It was going to be a Steven Seagal vehicle. Correct. Uh, Mr. Seagal ultimately uh, did not do the film. So Mr. Snipes uh, took his place. And John Badham, of course, a very capable Hollywood director, you know, did stuff like War Games, Saturday Night Fever, Stakeout, another Stakeout, <laughs> Nick of Time, right? Just has yeah. done a million of these, you know, the the Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars from a million years ago, which is a great movie. Um, He directs Drop Zone. You got Yancey Butler, who's, you know, got the Angelina Jolie looks before Angelina Jolie was was in the world, uh, in the Hollywood world. Um, And... It's just, it's like Point Break, but it's just the skydiving part of Point Break. I, you know? Yeah, I almost, I, not that I don't want to talk about it. We should talk about it. But from a plot standpoint, I don't actually know if we need to like go that much deeper into it. No, it's that's, like that's he's a, he's, 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 yeah, Wesley Snipes yeah. is Pete Nessup. He's a U.S. Marshal. Um, and him and his brother, Malcolm Jamal Warner, are on a plane where an assassination occurs that was or not an assassination a a kidnapping a hijacking and then a kidnapping occurs that's meant to look like a failed hijacking ultimately and in and in the chaos his brother is killed yep. and he's out to find the skydiving bandits who killed his brother and who are led by gary Busey. gary Busey yep. co- coming off a of point break which yes. is funny and what's so the the other thing we'll come back around i guess it wasn't supposed to be Busey. It was originally, I don't know if this person was going to be in it when Seagal was going to be in it. Or it was going to be Jake Busey. It was going to be Andy Garcia, mm. which is interesting. I do like Gary Busey in this movie, though, I, I will say. Yeah, I think he's fine. I think he does add. I do love Garcia V. Snipes is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do think he he does add what whatever distinctive flavor this movie has uh, you know outside of yeah a manic energy yeah yeah um i think michael jeter as the hacker that they hide that they kidnap uh i think he kind of adds a lot he and actually to i don't want to pigeonhole him as the only one I, I don't know if he's the only one that actually did skydiving as like part of the stunts. I think um, I think he is. Yeah, he he may be the only. Yeah, I think he's the only cast member that essentially, as when it came to the skydiving, did his own stunts. And I will say the big bummer of of Drop Zone, and you and I had already seen this movie. I think this is the kind of movie that we probably even brought it up. You know, you know what channel? But, you know what channel this? You know what channel this movie was on all the time? What's that? USA. Oh no! It's yeah. It's I mean, it's that kind of movie, right? It's a that we, kind of movie we, we talk about all the time—the Sunday afternoon type thing. But Michael Jeter, right, doing his own stunts, it feels like the difference, right? Because the problem I think with this movie compared to, say, a Point Break, right, is that even in Point Break, um, I think Bigelow just has a better command of how to make the fake skydiving look a little more real, mm-hmm. right. And in that movie, if you don't, if you don't know, speaking of how do people insure people, um, so 
in that movie, Swayze was doing like skydiving recreationally, like when they weren't shooting and like did his own skydiving for the movie. Right. And the studio had to like stop him because they were like, hey, man, like stop not or stop skydiving when like we don't need you to skydive. Right. And he kind of I did not know that. Yeah. And he kind of like if you you can look at like the bonus features and stuff and for Point Break and, and find it. But he even commented on it in I think in one of these featurettes where like they he was like, yeah, you know, but of course they didn't have a problem with me getting like concussed by giant waves while we were surfing. Like, you know, um, which funny. is just sort of funny. That's all to say, just as a comparison, like you can just kind of tell the difference, right? Like, and it, and it really does make a world of it because even the, with Jeter, the one stunt that he does, that's his own. It is a great shot where like the camera, well, it's like funny. Yeah. And the camera like comes out of the plane. It's looking at him and down and you just see him go away from the plane and like go way, 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 way down. And it doesn't cut. And it's like a great shot. And you're like, whoa. Right. And it, and it totally sells it. Well, Connor, as someone who has skydove, I have well, one of us has, and yeah, it's you. I have and now, and now that I have a child, I can never skydive. <laughs> uh, it, because if I died, my wife would kill me. So. No, I mean, I, it just, uh, I mean, I can't speak. Why? Well, you know, I did one of the like the you know the, you do the tandem thing. Well, you got to do you got to do tandem the first couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I only I did it once, and uh, you know it's cool. Did it you hit the Did you hit the drop zone? I did. I did hit the drop zone. Um, no, it's. Uh, I can't even speak to it as far as you know uh, the relevance to how accurate this movie is necessarily. I will say one of the things. Were that- you chasing? Hacking, skydiving, former DEA criminals. No, but I did go into some power lines. Oh, I did. No, I, did. I didn't. There's, the a, scene, there's a character the scene, where a character gets killed, and and it is that thing I love uh, via power lines by Gary yeah. Busey. Uh-huh. And there is that thing I love in movies. One thing, I, this isn't a great movie. Obviously, it's yeah. probably the worst. Uh, yeah, this, well, it's, this, a, it's, it's we'll it's get to it. it yeah. yeah, but. Um, when you get into these movies that are about these very specific things, like, you know, skydiving is like, you know, a very specific thing, especially in yeah. 1994. Sure. It, and I don't know if that's changed in 17 or, uh, or 27 years, but, but, um, the thing where Yancey Butler, like knows that like he couldn't have died by the power lines. He would have never have let that happen. Like it had to have been like, which is like, it's, it actually is very believable because right. you go like, well, yeah, I guess if skydiving was your but whole life, you would never let yourself. What's weird is why get... does he let it happen? Like that's it's the thing. true. If you, it's when you're it's watching the point. scene happen, you're like, dude, there's no way. Like, well, there's a lot. I mean, look, this is a movie and this is a great example of like, we talk about this a lot. Everybody talks about this a lot. You can make stupid movies. Jurassic Park True. is an incredibly stupid movie. I mean, an indescribably stupid movie, Jurassic Park. But it doesn't matter because Spielberg's a master. When you watch it, you don't think about it. Sure. The stupid things like, oh, the you know, the T-Rex comes out of the, I mean, of okay. the jungle and then it becomes a cliff. And who Point can, Break. But you don't Point care. Point Break is an incredibly stupid movie. Right? Well, that's what, like, I'm, that's, that's yeah, what I'm... This, this is what, yeah, yeah. This I'm leading up to. The point is, Bigelow is a genius. So, like, she can sculpt a movie that's incredibly stupid. You don't even think about it because you're just in it. Drop Zone, and Batum has made great movies. Drop Zone is the other example where you yeah, go... It, it, the seams are just kind of there. And it, when... It's not compelling enough. The seams become way more apparent. Case in point, 
he, him finding out about Gary Busey and his team takes like two seconds yeah. because <laughs> there's only three people in the world who could have done the jump that they did at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And so you think to yourself, okay, skydiving criminals, there had to have been a better way to do this that would have muddled the waters more as opposed to doing a jump from 40,000 feet off of a 747 that only seven people in the world could do it's, and only eight yeah. other people would have known and about. It's so, and it's so bizarre because it it's just one of those movies that it feels, it feels like Batum is more, is almost more interested in sky, in the skydiving and skydiving culture than he is like the, plot. the yeah the narrative thriller but then right? to your point what, what's a bummer because you're right but, but then what to your point what's a bummer about that is the skydiving is not good enough because no. they couldn't insure the actors exactly and and so it's almost like i almost would have rather john Badham made a movie about like a fucking documentary about Seriously. skydiving in 94 so like because there are i will say there are so we should say, and I actually didn't realize this until I watched it, given the holiday that just passed, but it's a 4th of July movie. It is. Which I did, which I totally forgot about, because uh, that's what the the sort of the ticking time bomb on the movie is that they're pulling that they're aiming to pull this heist to be covered up by a skydiving exhibition that's happening in Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July. And it lends itself to some super cool visuals near the end of the movie of like there is one particular shot of skydivers who put like LEDs on there. Cool. I, I think it's it's the, it might be the gang, right? Like it might. I think it's. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's, I think it's the whole because it's like this competition that yeah, yeah. culminates they, they on do the 4th. Yeah, they do it in and D.C. They, and they do it under the guise of doing this for the competition. But. Basically, they put like almost like Tron like LEDs on their yes. diving suits. Yes. So you get some really cool night diving, night skydiving like photography. And there's even one shot and you I I can't tell if it was on purpose or not, but it's clearly in the movie because Batam must have seen the dailies and been like, oh, that's amazing. There is one shot that's incredible where they're diving at night and they're in their LED suits and they go past like fireworks that are exploding. And awesome, it's yeah. incredible. But again, it's just not the 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 narrative, the point break version of it, right? Or the point break plot that ties it all together is just not as compelling as well, yeah. As and the it, crux of it, it is be, right. So they 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 kidnapped Jeter because he's the best hacker in the world, whatever. At like erasing and, their foot their and, and, footprints, basically. Yeah, and their plan is to hack into the DEA so they know the identity of every undercover agent, like always and forever right, right. that's the yeah, whole yeah. thing so i mean whatever it's a it's a very by the numbers type type of heist scenario and you know you get a couple wesley kicks and and you know ultimately the movie underperformed yeah um can you name the other skydiving thriller movie that came out in 1994 only uh, weeks after before okay hang on hang one. on it's you're it's not like gonna a, get it no 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 it's like a term Right. It's like a um it is, it's and it like, stars another another star of major it's, leagues. It's not vertical limit. It's no, but that's close. Uh it's um oh, man. terminal velocity. Yes, it is. Yeah. I believe yeah. it's Charlie Sheen <laughs> and Natasia Kinski, I believe. Yeah. It, um that one did way worse than Drop Zone, just to be clear. And it's um, look, I mean, I will say, I don't again, if you want like a cheesy just totally like low to middling 
Sunday afternoon USA movie, you could do worse. Like, I don't totally it's not I don't have any really ire for this movie either. It's just like not it's not as good of a version of a movie that it could be, I think, is the thing. The best one of the best one of the most thrilling scenes in the movie is Wesley Snipes fighting dudes in a bathroom. That's probably the best scene of the movie. Um, But but so now if this is a good pivot like just to get to u.s marshals which is our third movie which well because he says we didn't say he plays a u.s marshal well, no i did say I oh did yeah, say yeah so here we are yeah, so 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 and then in u.s marshals he doesn't play u.s marshal because the u.s marshal is played by um ever heard of him tommy lee jones sam gerard so just to get to u.s marshals this is kind of what we're talking about in this not great prejudice business among many other businesses you know, this is commented on a lot where it's like you can only have one black star at a time type of a thing, right? Mm. And I think one thing you run into is, and this is obviously, you know, we're making assumptions here, but it's hard to not do the math. When Will Smith becomes the biggest star in the world, the next year, right? Like by 96, yeah. he's everywhere, Independence Day. It does, it feels like Wesley Snipes' career starts to dip. I mean, he has Blade, sure, but he things start to get a little bit more, you know, it gets a little hairier for him, right? So I think there's also a thing where... Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the movies also start, like, really... I mean, so, 95... Like, the movies in, change, too, right? Like, Well, that's kind of yeah. what I'm saying. So, yeah. so like, the, the next year, he's got to Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which is obviously a movie that is kind of beloved now and did do well when it came out. And actually, I, um, I do want to shout out um gavin and louie at the mixed reviews they did sure. an episode uh a while back about drag on film and they talk about this movie uh and they do they do like a good little deep dive on it um so if you want to listen to that you should check that out definitely and then like that same year money train we talked about comes out it costs too much it makes too little he's got a small role in waiting to exhale Right, he's in the fan, which is directed by Tony Scott, which doesn't do well. Him and Robert De Niro, so the the movies aren't necessarily performing incredibly well. Murder at sixteen hundred comes out, which could have been a B side. We're, we're we're kind of saving that for our Diane Lane episode. That movie is like a programmer; it does okay. Yeah, and then he's in an indie one night stand, um, which is the Mike Vegas movie with a bunch of other people, which. Actually, you know what? I don't actually think it's New Line Cinema, so not really an indie in, in the way that we're, we're mentioning it. But that costs a lot and doesn't make a whole lot. And then, you know, 98, it's Blade and U.S. Marshals with Down in the Delta being the smaller movie. And that feels like the last big year as, as him, Wesley Snipes, action star, aside from Blade, because it's Blade and U.S. Marshals, where yeah. he is it's the sequel to The Fugitive. He's playing The Fugitive. Um, Mark Warren, Mark Sheridan, right? Like this guy who is on the run. And Sam Gerard, who caught Richard Kimball, you know, five years earlier in 1993, Harrison Ford, is on the case, right? So you have, you have um, Tommy Lee Jones, Wesley Snipes, and Robert Downey Jr., who also was in funny enough one night stand as like the agent put with Tommy Lee Jones to try to catch Wesley Snipes. And the big difference with us marshals is he's not like an unassuming doctor 
you know, right. accused of it, killing his wife. He is actually an operative who's out of the game and gets framed yeah. for a crime he he did commit, but it was self-defense and that he's being framed essentially for that, essentially. Yeah, but. it's um, I wanted to talk about it just because I think it's just wild. And again, like you mentioned, it it underperforms. Uh, probably still in a way where nobody's going to the poorhouse or whatever. But the I wanted to talk about it a because I I it was a weirdly formative movie for me in terms of like I feel like it was on all the time, like on cable or whatever. Right, Def. This one, yeah. I mean, I think on, even still, uh, yeah, on all the time. And if I'm, I I actually think I may have watched this movie before i saw the fugitive like all the way through yeah like, I me knew, too me, like maybe I knew, me too like i knew the fugitive like i knew the references in the fugitive you know yeah, like, i don't care yeah i, didn't yeah. Kill I my knew, wife the, I knew and... the references but i think i actually watched this movie all the way through front to back before i had ever seen the fugitive front to back which maybe is a crime um but <laughs> but i i like this movie. yeah i think it's i think it's good i think i mentioned this to you uh off mic but like I think the biggest problem, this movie just falls into that territory of like the, maybe the biggest problem with it is that just that it's a sequel to the fugitive, right? Like, and that if it was just this almost drop zone esque thing, like other movie, right. And, and it right. wasn't Tommy Lee Jones. And I kind of, he I hesitate to say that because Tommy Lee Jones is good in the role again. Right. I mean, yeah. Rewatching yeah. it made me wish there was more Sam Gerard movies. Yeah, no, 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 and and we we mentioned that a little bit. Like I, I even just because I would have would have loved another Sam Gerard movie, and he's like too old to do it now. So it's like definitely a thing that'll never happen. But I always kind of like to think of Double Jeopardy as like a weird pseudo. Yeah, the third, third Sam Gerard. third Sam Gerard movie. Um, yeah, well, that that comes out like the next year. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, but and it's not he's not a U.S. marshal in that movie, but he's he's her parole officer. But he, it's the same vibe, right? It's the same like criminal him tracking a criminal who's gonna do a thing, but he also kind of sympathizes with them, basically. Um, well, dude, if those if that's the stakes, or if that's if those if that's a criteria, then the hunted is number right, four. Right, right, right. It's like you could package them all together or whatever. And they're all, you know what? They're all basically the hunted's good. Yeah. And I double jeopardy is a, you want to talk about like a dumb movie that is eminently watchable in my mind. Uh, You're right. Double jeopardy is 99. The hunted I think is like, Oh three. So he really does in a decade do like, <laughs> he does like four. There's a guy or a gal. Yeah. I got to get him. Yeah. But they're not as guilty as I think they are movies. Right. Right. It's, it's a fascinating little thing. All that's to say it's, it's kind of a mixed bag because, like I said, it's got a little bit of a U.S. Marshals has a little bit of that Godfather Three syndrome, right? Where it's like when it came out, people. Why are, did they do this? Yeah, people are like, ah, it's not as good as The Fugitive, and that might be true. But I do well, think yeah. it. I do think it obviously it obfuscates the fact that it's a pretty good thriller on its own on its own merits. Well, and look, it speaks to all these movies. All four of these movies speak to what we owe, you know, which is. You know, we talked about it with Blake when we talked about, um, you know, Devil's um, Bakula movies where it's like 
they might not be great movies, but the further away we get from them and the 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 more it becomes clear that the only versions of these movies that we're going to get are on Netflix. Right. The better these movies seem. And I was Especially just thinking when you sorry, go on. No, and I was just thinking about like what are these movies and I kept thinking about like Frank Grillo movies like Joe yeah, Lynch, right. for example, yeah, who is yeah. a talented director who was on our Cinephile Game Nights. He made a movie called Point Blank, uh, which is Grillo and Anthony Mackie. And it's just like a crime thriller, right? right. And it's like, I think like Joe Carnahan wrote the script or whatever. And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just a nifty little movie that was on Netflix. And it's like, that would have been great if it was in the theaters and they like maybe used, you know what I mean? Like you get maybe, that. Maybe, maybe shot it not for Netflix. Or, right? or, or right. yeah. Or like that movie, yeah. that movie with, um, the movie Braven with, uh, mm-hmm. with Jason Momoa, which funny right? enough is on, uh, I don't know if you peaked after we did our little research. I did not peak, but his, so Wesley Snipes, not to get ahead of it or whatever in terms of what he's doing now, but he has a streaming service, like a, a content, hub uh, oh i didn't know that called, okay. it's called tiki tv i believe um ah. it i look i mean spoiler alert it's not very good you know in terms of like what but if, in terms of the content that's on there the whole goal with it is that uh it's you know it's not specific to any one region right so you don't run into the thing of oh this is on netflix in australia but it's not on netflix in the states or whatever or vice versa right or it's not on netflix in canada or whatever right it's not it's it you it's free it's like a free streaming service and all the content on it you can is no matter where you are in the world you can watch it oh i'm looking at it right now currently they got three thousand miles to graceland on here and but braven i was like looking through it yesterday i was like oh braven (laughs) uh which just feels they got america they got american outlaws yeah yeah yeah. Aloha. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah. I'm looking at this. All right. <laughs> that's what Wesley's doing now. But anyway, uh, that's all to say. Oh, uh, dude, they got Braven on here. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, that's all to say it US Marshals, I think. Do we want to spoil it a little bit or no? I think so. Okay. So we're gonna spoil it. If you haven't watched it, you I should mean watch it came it. out in nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. I mean. So but whatever. Spoiler alert, the Robert Downey Jr. character is not entirely on the level. And Which, I mean, is like... And so re, uh, I, I don't want to be patronizing, but the minute no, he walks right. yeah, yeah, into yeah, the exactly. movie, yes. you're like, oh, exactly. so is this the bad guy? We exactly. think this is the bad guy. But not even... But again, not even in a, like, in a Billy Crudup Mission Impossible 3 way or whatever. No, not right. even in, like, oh, why is Downey Jr. in this movie? Because he was... This was a low point in his career. Yeah, he also it's literally hated doing the movie. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't. He he, yeah. he said as much about it when the movie was like after the movie came out. Like he was like, wow. I mean, this really. I mean, it cannot be overstated. Like the late nineties. Yeah, for Downey Jr. In his opinion, and I think in the opinion of like most people who watched him you know i like him in this movie i think it's kind of a no, very I, glib yeah ridiculous performance it, no and he but, and he feels right for it in terms of his his yeah in terms of the way he plays it i think the the big downfall of it not just because it's downey jr or whatever but it's like he turns out to be the bad guy and like you said it's apparent from minute one but again not in a way of oh this actor is a little too conspicuous in this one role kind of way which is common for thrillers right 
it's yeah, ju- it's, it's just more in a way that the movie doesn't even seem to want to be hiding like that's the weird thing so i will say the one thing that kind of falls apart for this movie if it were to stand on its own merits just is that like the minute tommy lee jones fig- figures it out it's not it's almost like watching a Columbo episode or something, right? Where you're like, you know, Downey Jr. is no good, and you're just waiting well, for Tommy Lee Jones. It to almost it out. well to your point. It almost seems like Stuart Baird, who directed this movie, who's a longtime editor. This is the second movie yeah. he made. He was the he longtime goes, editor for uh, Richard Donner, R.I.P. Who just passed away, yeah. R.I.P. And so Baird, who his first movie is executive decision which i'm sh- executive decision which i'm sure we'll cover at some point yeah um steven Seagal's in that one yeah um this is second he makes uh star trek nemesis which temporarily kills the franchise and he kind of goes back to editing after that um in this one it literally seems like everybody involved wants to avoid the Columbo part of it, like you're saying, Connor, right. because that's what The Fugitive is, right? Because in yeah. The Fugitive, you obviously know Harrison Ford didn't do it because he's yeah. Richard Kimball. It was a show. You literally see the murder, right? Like, you know, you see it, it's also, him try to grab the one-armed it, man, all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, also different, too, because The Fugitive is following in a narrative that was set up by the TV show. No, no, I know. But my, my point is they seem determined to not repeat it. Yeah. And, and, and make it more ambiguous, which I, I respect. Yeah. But to your point, if you are, if you want me, the viewer or Connor, the viewer, anybody, the viewer to be like, Oh, maybe Wesley Snipes is the killer. Then you can't have, John Royce, Robert Downey Jr., walking into the screen, walking into yeah. the movie, and be like, they, "Hey guys, and they do." I'm a, weird, a little, I'm a little different, you know. I, like, I'm a little suspicious. I, it, it all doesn't seem to add up with what you know. What, yeah, like what you're talking about, because they do. There is un, there is definitely more Sam Gerard in the movie, which I will say feels like a little bit of a bummer for Snipes because it's he's. He d- he doesn't quite get the opportunity that Ford gets to to make it no. a Harrison Ford movie. Right? Well, and he's literally he he's a second build in in co- in the movie and on the poster. I right, mean, right, and the ti- yeah. like the title of the movie is U.S. Marshals. Right, it's not right, right. the other fugitive or the second fugitive. You know, it's right, right, it's right. it is decidedly a Tommy Lee Jones Sam Gerard movie, and that's okay. I don't really have a problem with that. I don't even have a problem with Snipes in the role. I think it's pretty good casting, actually. It was no, I love I it, love Snipes. It, in this it movie. was supposed to be Samuel L. Jackson, Ooh. and yeah, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if he turned it down. What 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 that was? He was, he was too busy negotiating. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then negotiating with Kevin Spacey. But they, uh, but they found their way in a movie that we covered, uh, uh, Rules of Engagement. So you know they they got together oh tommy tommy and Sam. yeah yeah yeah. but um but that said it i actually think snipes is better for the role given the provocative conceit of oh what if the, this time the fugitive was like a train was a black ops killer yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think um i think that all works i just Th- yeah yeah no i was just Go gonna ahead. say i think that the um th- that you put more sam gerard in it right and you're going to sideline the fugitive character that they don't decide to immediately not like or not tell you immediately that it was you thought it was self-defense, which they do like out the gate. It's like immediately 
a thing that they felt like they had to do to make snipes like more likable, I guess, or whatever. But I think the way to fix what you're talking about is to get rid of the Downey Jr. character altogether, right? And just not reveal, like the reveal should be that it was self-defense, right? And what you should be following is like, oh, Snipes is like this, you know, covert assassin, Ambiguous, killer, yeah. uh, you know, and then what you reveal is it's self-defense and you don't even need the, you know, you don't even need the, um, the, the Downey Jr. character. That said, I think it's a fine performance. Like it's a fun, to your point, performance by Downey Jr. I think it all basically works. Everybody's good on screen. It's obviously nice to see the crew from the fugitive kind of doing their thing again. I, again, enough so that I would gladly watch, would have gladly watched another one if they were going to make it. But I do think, um, and isn't isn't Sam Jackson's wife in in the Sam Gerard crew? I believe is that Sam Jackson's wife. I, I believe I'll, I'll check it, but I believe that's Sam Jackson's that, wife. That's yeah. fascinating, actually. Um, I did not know that. That's like a good little bit of trivia. The and they, you know, they do some of the same things, but they do it kind of with sequelitis in a way of like they're like, oh, we gotta, how do we make the escape better than the train sequence or train slash bus sequence, right? In the fugitive, I do think the plane crash that they do is pretty cool, right? I do think, you know, there's like a even the way they key it up, the guy who causes the plane crash is someone who recognizes Snipes and tries to kill him, uh. And he does so with like a makeshift, essentially a makeshift gun that he like basically takes a bullet and puts it into a uh, puts it into like a toilet paper tube. Ba- a metal yeah, that's toilet that, paper that's tube. that's cool. It's a cool little thing. The plane crash that, sequence itself is, is pretty well, the good. movie I yeah, when I when I love this movie as a kid, and I, I, I this is definitely my uh, of the of these four movies. This is certainly my favorite. I um, yeah. I always remembered the sequences when I was a kid, and I, I was yeah. not unlike, funny enough, uh, you know, Blade. Talking about Blade, right? It, they came out the same year, so very informative time. I, I was remembering the sequences that I remembered, which is like the cemetery sequence, the shootout in the cemetery, the, the fight in the grain vault, the, um, yeah. <laughs> the the whole sewer chase, and then look, Stuart Bear, talented editor. One thing this movie does incredibly well, I would argue even a little better than The Fugitive, which, you know, oh, is <laughs> there are a few moments in this movie where you go like, how is he going to get out of this one? And you yes, actually don't sure, know. Sure. Which is actually very impressive. I mean, The Fugitive, like, right, The Fugitive. There's only a couple moments like that. Like, yeah, yeah. In the swamp, I was watching it last night with Kelly, and I literally said to her, I was like, how does he get out of this? Yeah, one? like no, no, I no. literally, it's, you know, like, no, it's a it's a really good point because it, because even the way it it's funny you say that right because there's the scene in the dam in the fugitive right which to me feels like it's almost done twice in different ways in U.S. Marshals which is in the swamp and then on the rooftop which is I think one of the best sequences in the movie. Uh, it's a great great stunt, great moment. Um, but can't be caught. Can't be caught. And it's and again, I think uh, I understand if you are watching it as a, you know, four or five years, four years later from The Fugitive, right? Five. Five years later sequel from The Fugitive. If you're watching it as that, I understand how can't be caught. And then he does his thing off the roof. And you're thinking that against the 
you know, uh, you the know, dive from the, the first dive one. from the dam immediately after what's one of the greatest line deliveries in the history of cinema, right? The I'm not yeah, care, yeah. right? I, you know, I understand how you're underwhelmed and you're kind of like fuck this movie a little bit. I get that. I just think, and again, you and I both mentioned at the top of this, like I, you know, we maybe if memory serves saw this before the fugitive. So who knows if I were to have felt the same way, right? Like, right. But, um. But that said, you know, I don't know. That's not how it shook out for me as a viewer. So I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of respect for this movie. There Could is I. a, <laughs> and just to say, Latanya Richardson, uh, in this in U.S. Marshals, married to Mister Samuel L. Uh, since since 1980, still married, right? What a marriage! Still yeah. married, yeah. Good for them. Um, Good for them. But yeah, I don't know. It. I think this movie, again, even despite the little the little th- things that we're mentioning, I think it still basically works. Um, I think that, you know, I, 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 again, I, I would say, I don't know if Snipes, I, I, I feel like he's so perfectly like utilized in this movie in terms of he's got enough of the gravitas to play it serious. And again, he's, he has the outlet for the high energy insofar as he gets to, you know, it's, it's a very physical and physically demanding performance. So I think it basically works. And I do, I will say this movie uh, does a really, I think the best special effect in the whole movie is there is a fight sequence between Sam Gerard and, uh, and Mark Sheridan. So Tommy Lee Jones and Wesley Snipes. And it is set up in a way that does fully convince you that Tommy Lee Jones could beat, wesley snipes in a fight like it because it again when you think about that in the way i just said it you're like no way like just it's the most ridiculous thing in the entire world and the uh the staging of that scene and the way they set it up in terms of the condition they put snipes character in and all that uh you know i don't know it's it you buy it and in a way that that totally works and is a, is a pretty fun little uh n- nice little fight sequence um but yeah, that's I think I think that's basically yeah, that's all we got to say about U.S. Marshals. Yeah, that's '98, which is well, like we said, it's a big year for Snipes and kind of, and in some ways, the end of you know the run in a yeah, lot he, of respects. He essentially sort of keeps it alive with Blade for right. For so a the the art of so, to the yeah the, the direct to video stuff really the art of war and then undisputed which undisputed kind of barely comes out are like the last two liberty stands still which I've actually never seen amazingly uh, is a smaller movie a smaller movie that was only direct, barely comes out direct to video yeah um which I've always heard is kind of I feel like Ebert liked that movie um but anyway the art of war it's so I mean. The, the plot is extremely convoluted it's like <laughs> it's it's he's in he's an operative it's like a he's like a private contractor but they do work for the government him and michael bean are like kind of partners there's this asian connection that's established in the beginning it's essentially all all revolves around. It's a little Rising Sunny, which is funny. Yeah, when we, he's, which, in, he's in Rising Sun. He's in Rising with, Sun with Sean Connery. With Connery, about. yeah. yeah. Uh, I um, would almost say because Rising Sun is not very good. 
It's a no. Rising Sun's a bad movie. Again, sort of the Crane novel. It's the Rising Sun. It's the Crane novel. <laughs> right. The best thing to come out of Rising Sun is the reference to it in the informant. Frank, frankly, hundred um, percent. But uh, I would say, I mean, I like when I I watched Rising Sun for the first time a few months ago, actually, because I think it was it was on it might have been on HBO Max. I don't remember, but um, a very, if I recall, a very explicit sex and then murder scene to open that picture if i'm not mistaken i don't recall how it opens actually but the oh no yeah you're right but anyway that movie is is not unlike say something like drop zone where it's like not great but it's got its sort of cheesy action you know it's lower budge action flair with a handful of movie stars so if you want to check out rising sun go to it but you know uh you've been warned um but yeah this movie art of war it's it's yeah, it's similar. It's um, it doesn't I, I will say it doesn't thankfully do as much, you know, what Rising Sun does with the Japanese, which is like where the whole movie is Sean Connery explaining Japanese culture to Wesley Snipes. You know what I mean? Like and you're just like, right, it's like right. the, it's just one of those movies that's fully built on a two different worlds like whatever and this movie doesn't really do that i mean it's a yeah this it's, one it's more like it's that's the red herring for a larger yes, thing happening it, yeah, yeah exactly um so it mercifully kind of stays away from that but it, it basically just revolves around wesley snipes as a un sort of special agent uh you like it like an on-call contractor for the u.n yeah yeah basically and is it uh, ann arch it's like ann, ann, archer. ann archer is his handler and donald sutherland and donald sutherland is the is the uh secretary to the united nations and he it's basically just all about this trade agreement right and and that that's like a looming and who would want to stop it and you know whatever and, and james hong is it briefly shows up in the beginning of the movie um and he gets assassinated and that's essentially the inciting incident um, but I do think it's basically a lot of it's what I would perceive to be an excuse to put Wesley Snipes in a Mission Impossible movie, right? Like that's right. that James that, Bond. Mission yeah, Impossible James Bond, movie. Mission Impossible. This, His name is Neil Shaw. Not a bad name. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I you know, we mentioned this kind of it's he's got kind of a career of great names, but um, and it's I think on that level, the movie is worth it for whatever enjoyment you would get out of that viewer right like i do think like the opening sequence uh is fun in terms of it puts him in a james bond tuxedo with fucking mission impossible glass camera glasses at a uh, at a new year's party right you know beating people up in the middle of a cocktail party in a tuxedo and it's kind of fun to watch um that said i and i mentioned this to you uh while i was watching it last night that like I just don't. Is there any movie that was any action movie that was made in the year 2000? I know that. Yeah, that escaped the year 2000. I don't think so. Right. Like even just in, <coughs> Excuse a, me. in a general sheen in a sort and of even you mentioned this. Uh, and I think it even extends to 99 because right. If you think about something like Y2K, Y2K, because yeah. end of days, you have it. Yep. And um yeah, Art of War, you have it. And, and there's a million. And, but even there's a few good examples. Not even just yeah. in plot, but in like entrapment. In right? style. Isn't, entrapment. Isn't in style. Yeah. They all kind of just I don't. But in a way that's so 
permanently kept them in in ice, preserved them. You know, it's, in an you ice know what it is? It's is the year it's like, it's like very glittery goop type of stuff. It's like <laughs> with it's like, like, a, high with like tech, yeah. lo-fi <laughs> bullshit. Like, yeah, like yeah. the, the uh, rewatching the Art of War, which once again was a movie that I think I watched and really liked when I was younger. Like rewatching yeah. it, the cheapness of it was revealed a bit more. Where you mm. go, like, oh, this is like a movie where like the tech stuff is, but like, there's nothing real about the tech stuff, yeah, right? Where yeah. you you kind of go like, well, that's, and that's like a small, that's a small criticism, but. It's it's so much so much of it relies on that, and you go like, okay, yeah. well, none of this is real, so this yeah, is kind and, of hard. To, and you know, even just the technology, insofar as the making of the movie, they just and again, I don't, you know, it could have been a budget thing, but other, I was given pause in thinking that sometimes because there are other moments in the movie where he, you know, drives a car into a diner before it explodes right the car right so there are other moments where i'm like ah but you spent money right like you you yeah i think the budget was like like 30 or something it wasn't nothing you you know i mean you just didn't spend the money to like put wesley snipes off of a building with a parachute or whatever well that's what i was gonna say you know when our other examples end of days entrapments those are like big studio summer right you know christmas you know movies right like so you're you're dealing i mean this is once again another point by this even by the year 2000 i think wesley if he's not playing blade unfortunately yeah is not commanding Uh, you know entrapment i and i think frankly he just didn't have and he could totally do this and we'll get to it after we finish this movie if we talk when we talk about what we want to see him do next but like yeah he just didn't he didn't hit he didn't wane i'll say this he didn't wane at the right time to properly revitalize his career in terms of a like here's what we can do with 30 million dollars right like where it just right. doesn't it, that economy hadn't really been well, built it, yet you know and yeah i mean look to your point now right if this renaissance of sorts that's happening for him continues yes that would be like what is the art of war Directed now, by David Leach, right? Directed by David Leach. Or Chad Stilesky you know, or whatever. Art, 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 yeah. Art of War 3, War, what is it good for? What does that look like? <laughs> you know, gr- yeah. Let's give it a green light. Let's see yeah. what it looks like. I, yeah, no, that that's, I think, that's, I guess, all, all I wanted to say in terms of the way the movie looked and felt. Because it does, it feels, uh, again, not ahead of its time, just almost like before its time, right? Where it's like, if you're going to make a $30 million techno action spy movie with wesley snipes you say that now uh you know 20 years after the movie and it doesn't actually sound like that impossible of a feat in terms of being able to make one that's any good right but just in the year 2000 it just doesn't seem to quite quite gel oh but hang on connor i almost have to correct myself because i'm seeing on box office mojo Oh, the reported budget for the Art of War was sixty. Oh, I mean, oh, but again, no. yeah, I don't know. So it's yeah, that's high in the year two thousand. Like that's which, but I mean, still, still not as much as End of Days. No, no, but, no right. But again, but not. But that's a lot. Yeah, that yeah, is, yeah it's that a, is lot. a lot. And and I, it makes me feel a little less insane because I was watching certain parts of this movie going like, no, like money was spent. Like there's, you know, there's. I I will say the opening sequence. And, yeah, and the reported budget, and just to be clear, the reported budget for Entrapment is not much more, actually. So, really, 
this is a big movie yeah by by the receipts it is a big movie for a studio yeah yeah so i don't know it it just i don't i don't want to also completely dog on the movie it's not great but again in that in that shut my brain off wesley snipes action picture kind of way um it you know i i think it's totally serviceable i think it basically builds up to all the stuff that you see in the trailer again i think we'll spoil it because it doesn't really matter and is is not unlike u.s marshals is kind of obvious from minute one but the big ongoing thing is these assassinations are happening and it's kind of this who is it that's doing it and of course it's michael bean right because he like shows up in the first scene and then sort of disappears from the movie off screen because he all, he like dies he die, quote unquote dies. but but can i you only hear it in the earpiece you know yeah can i can i say it's funny because you brought up rightfully the fight betwixt Tommy Lee jones and wesley snipes being very surprisingly believable in the opposite side of the street yeah. the fight between bean and snipes is weirdly less believable and like right. bean is a formidable guy it's yeah not like, yeah it's not that but he's it, improperly cast it however doesn't. they choreographed it you, yeah it feels very much like being is never even remotely in the game no like, no and it's you have to wonder i i like you know and again because bean is also at a different point in his he's career. older i guess yeah he's, he's yeah. older and he's you know not certainly not as bankable in any capacity so i have to wonder if maybe it was supposed to be somebody else who like i believe he's only two years away from playing the villain in the film clock stoppers <laughs> And Remember the movie Clock and he's, and he's what? He's four or five years at when? No, how far is like what was his last even like remotely? Like when was the? I mean, he's in the abyss. Stuff. Was the abyss was? Uh, oh, eighty nine. Eighty nine. So it's been a minute, right? It's been it's been. I mean, he's always around, years, but yeah, in terms right? of him like being in movies as a lead, yeah, yeah sure, it's yeah. been a while. And point being, um, it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's terrible casting necessarily. What I weirdly thought was because they do, and we mentioned this earlier. Uh, there's a moment where he like plays street ball for a second with Michael Bean early in the movie, and it's meant to establish them as like friendly, you know, frenemies kind of, you know, like coworkers who kind of give each other a hard time, whatever. And it feels like a direct white man can't jump reference. Uh, but th- yes, that somehow yes. that somehow works its way into being a very integral part of the plot. Yes. Uh, because yes. Snipes gets in- an injury. He gets an injury exacerbated that leads to uh, yeah, he gets he gets a basketball injury that I've never seen a basketball player get. Well, he already got shot. So that's well, no, 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 no. But even the way, like, so basically, and we're not going to spend. But be, yeah. <laughs> I, I play a decent amount of bat, pick a basketball and whatever. But like, he gets like he's playing a one on one, and he gets basically like, like thrown. Yeah, he gets over like full body check by being, by being, yeah. And he lands on his shoulder, and he has to get like shown back up so this because is, it opens up a bullet a wound bullet, or whatever right, but to yeah. get that injury on the basketball court is like to engineer that is impressive <laughs> to say the least <laughs> and let me just quickly say there is an art of war three that has already been made is he in I it just, no it's oh. called the art of war three retribution starring treach in the neil shaw role just okay. to say. all right um yeah no i it 
it um again as a movie it's not necessarily like if you're going to watch it and i didn't like i said i didn't completely hate my experience with it because again it's just sort of a turn your brain off and and let it ride kind of movie if if not uh if not particularly good but yeah i just can't help but wonder if like it was supposed to be someone maybe a little bit more high profile at the time than than being right like was it you know was it going to be a young jason statham Right, a young Jason Statham. That to me would have felt like a better match, certainly in terms of a just, uh, you know, just in terms of a physicality and something that maybe would have made that end confrontation a little more worthwhile. Another certainly product of its time in that end fight. Um, and it feels like something that wasn't necessarily there on the day, but then after they shot it, they were like, oh, we got to do it. Is they have this sort of what almost you could say, speaking of the David Leach, Chad Stileski, John Wu or John Wick of it all, it almost feels like a proto gun fu kind of thing. They have this fight in the UN in like an elevator bay, right? And they do this kind of like hand to hand combat gun food thing while they're also shooting at each other in close quarters in a, in a sequence that is pretty cool and was if you watch the trailer is like all over every single trailer if only because they add in post like matrix style bullet time bullet effects not necessarily this all the rage dude. yeah not necessarily the slow-mo or anything like that it's just that the bullets you they give them the uh the, you know the waves behind them and whatever uh, in a way that I couldn't help but think was a decision later, right? Where it was like, yeah, an add-on. Yeah, yeah, where they were like, oh, you yeah, know, what, let's capture let's, the moment. Let's yeah. do the Matrix thing, and and again, it's one of those year two thousand yeah. things that just feels very specific. Anyway, oh, it captures the moment. Um, that said, I think it's you know it it's an okay fight. That to your point, Dan. If it doesn't play, it's just because the way that it plays out with Bean, it just doesn't. Yeah, after it, after that opening, it becomes a hand-to-hand combat, and it never really it, sells through. In a, yeah. yeah, in a way that even, even when Bean has a gun to his face, just doesn't seem like a thing that's going to pan out. Now, let uh, me let me ask you, how do you rank these four? Uh, yeah, I, would, I was thinking about this because I do actually, you know, I, I mean, I got to put U.S. Marshals at number one because do I just i you know no unequivocally enjoy the movie um and yeah i i feel like i would go u.s marshals boiling point and then probably art of war and then drop zone if if, yeah i would i would swap those two but yes i well i was gonna say because the it that was the toss-up for me and I think it's if only I think Art of War makes a better use of Snipes as its lead mm. than Drop Zone does. Yeah, so from uh, a Snipes point of view, yeah, you're it, saying, just, it yeah, feels it feels like it was meant to be Wesley Snipes in the role. And and again, I think I get a little bit more of a kick of out of at least getting to see Wesley Snipes be James Bond for a few scenes. Um than I do what I want, you know, getting him to watch, uh, getting to watch him as Johnny Utah, right. Or whatever. So um, and I think it's important, you know, Jonathan Frakes who directed clock stoppers, right. <laughs> was quoted as saying, he later recalled that script clock stoppers had been at Paramount a long time. And because of the success of first contact and insurrection, the Star Trek movies, 
Paramount right. blew the dust off of the script and it got a rewrite, and we did it at a nice price. So did he? Hang on, did he do Clock Stoppers while Stuart Baird was doing Nemesis? Yeah, they came out. They both came out in 02. That's so fascinating. I wonder. That's just one of those like, if Frakes does Nemesis, does it not? kill the franchise for a minute like who i who's to say i don't know well and what's interesting is frakes i'd actually i know i'm looking at it this is crazy <laughs> so frakes sorry we're done so it's no fine. whatever it's frakes fine. frakes does star trek first contact is a hit insurrection is still a hit clock stoppers they did it at a nice price as frakes said so it, <laughs> it does it does fine it doesn't it's not like great i'm but somehow it trying like, to dovetail that into a believe it or not it, reference believe it, it, it like yeah you know it's <laughs> fiction yeah. We made it up. <laughs> Pure fiction. Me and my brother share that uh, clip constantly. You're right. Too. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're wrong. <laughs> oh. um, anyway. <laughs> so, but hang on. What's funny is two years after Clockstoppers, he kind of directs himself into director's jail because you know what he directed, dude? Mm. The, the significant bomb, Thunderbirds. Oh, wow. With Bill the Paxton. Bill Paxton movie. Interesting. Which did not do yeah. well at all. And I see how he, you would make that after Clockstoppers. Yeah, I see how you make that jump, frankly. It's yeah, not. and it is, it, it yeah, it's a British, it's a distributed, but it's a working title movie. Yeah, distributed by Universal, so he leaves Paramount right. to make Thunderbirds, and then it doesn't go well. And then the movies he's made after are those librarian movies. Remember with the Noel Wiley? Yeah, Noel yeah, Wiley? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think are actually kind of fun, some of those. That's but um, fascinating. anyway, that's Snipes. Jonathan Frakes' career. <laughs> uh, this this was the B side for Jonathan Frakes. And you know, it's actually uh, what is his Frakes, what's his name in Star Trek? Uh, Who's he in Star Trek? I always Frakes. Heard, he's number. Isn't he number one? I don't know. I got to look it up because I got to get it. I, I'm looking it up right now. Because because if I fucking say it, our, it we're going to have Trekkies like tearing me apart. Oh, Riker. William Riker. No. Yeah. Okay. So his name is Riker. But isn't he doesn't isn't he also called number one as like I don't his, know his anyway whatever I'll let Jordan start. Hoffman where are yeah, you yeah somebody uh, Gavin Medius can come correct. Gavin Medius exactly uh, but no but actually funny bit of trivia Wesley Snipes auditioned for the role of the LeVar Burton character on Next Generation yes I read that yeah. yes and he also auditioned for the role in the Last Dragon which was a, a hit in the mid uh, the mid eighties as well so he was. Yeah, he was fighting for those things early on. But yeah, the LeVar Burton. What is that? What's LaForge, I believe. LaForge, right, with the with the he with has the cool the glasses, yeah. the visor. Yeah. Um, um but so look, Snipes, um, what do we want to see him do next? He like we've said, you know, he talked about going to jail, the tax problem. He's been open about that. He, you know, I can you can kind of tell, uh, depending on I mean, and again, there's you can find small little interviews with him if you just straight up YouTube it or whatever. Any post uh what 2015 is when he got out, I believe. I believe 20, 2014. Yeah. Um because he made the expendables. The expendables three was his first post jail movie, right? Which that movie's not good, but the funniest parts of that movie his character in the movie just got out of jail for tax, tax evasion, evasion and they yeah. make jokes about it, which yeah. is good. Uh, he's actually okay in it, too. He's like one of the okay parts. Um, I believe his name's Hale Caesar. <laughs> oh, both. You know what? I'm just remembering kind of unfortunately, both Sam Shepard, Sam or yeah, both Sam Gerard fugitives are in that movie. 
because that's the oh, one. Oh, Harrison Ford, Ford took over for Bruce Willis. Yuck, right? right? Um, anyway, no, I mean, he yeah, he comes back post-jail with that. He does Chirac, like we mentioned. So I, I, I was going to say, because I forgot he was in Chirac, but my thing when we were talking about this is I would love to see another Spike movie, but I would love specifically to see, I would love for it to be a Spike Snipes Denzel reunion. I think, man, I would love that. I would, I would murder somebody for that. I think that would be great. To watch. Well, dude, how about this inside man Two finally make it and have it be. Well, they did. Versus, what was it called? It was called like inside man. Outside man. No, is it's, it's there's hang on. I'm going to look it up. Have you not heard of this? Have we not ever talked about this? Well, what, what it was a script for Inside Man that they just made into something else? No, it's else? legitimately an Inside Man movie. Inside uh, Man Most Wanted? Wa- most Wanted. Whoa. Yeah. Amel Amin, Rhea Seahorn, Roxanne McKee. Wow. Yeah, and the same writer, the same writer is on it. Russell Gerwitz. Gowertz, who wrote the first one. Yeah, and is it... So it's not the same character. Um, No, I don't believe so. But point being, that would be a cool... Like a genre film where it's like Denzel's going after Snipes type of a thing. I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Or like I... Yeah, I think that would be, I think, the big thing. And I I was going to say, the other thing I'd like to see from him, because I don't think he's really done it and i think it would be a thing he would be good at is give him a musical give him like a i would love to see him pop up in like a you know i don't know some kind of fucking what what you know i guess he was in chirac right so that's is he's good he's good in chirac yeah and he's so I, so i guess that covers that base i suppose i just was thinking something he's in cutthroat you know. city which is the rizzo movie recently ethan hawks in that as well i mean he's in he's been in good stuff so i think like the hope would be he keeps doing it um and i just hope he doesn't wind up as like a fast villain or something you know well but even that would be cool like no, for yeah, him I right mean, now right in the grand scheme of things sure it would be fine if he were to show up in like uh 10 or 11 or i mean to your but, point he's in, funny enough he's in a statham movie that went straight to dvd called chaos from from a, yes, a, a bunch right, of years ago right, right, right. that's not a particularly good movie but like a like a new statham movie where it's statham v snipes would be cool right and like again, those I think, that you know I, I, like I has think, a proper release and yeah stuff. And I think get him with, again, get him with a director who knows how to utilize like a, you know, a $30 million budget in a, in a cool way. And if you get him in that little action niche, the John Wick, Atomic Blonde, nobody, you know. Right, nobody, right. Yeah, like mid-budget, whatever, action niche. I think it's something he could still totally do. Um, totally. And I, yeah, I, I would be here for it. But um but yeah, anything else? Anything else we want to say about? I think Snipes? that's it. No, I think you know he, he an interesting guy to talk about. Uh, a million B sides. So like, obviously, if you like these, check. I mean, dig, I mean, Undisputed is a movie I yeah, personally that, really like a lot. A Walter Hill movie. So seek that one out. That one's super underrated. Um, among others, Down in the Delta, right? I mean, there, yeah. there's a bunch. You know, um, White Night Stand, I don't love, but there are. He's good in it. There are the good best, things in it. Yeah, the best part of that movie, and I, this is the last I'll say, the best part of One Night Stand is that 
it does allow him the what seems to be the rare opportunity to be dramatic in a movie in a just very straight way right like in a very like not because again like jungle fever has its drama and uh and certainly new jack city does too in its own way or whatever but he's still he's doing that high energy snipes thing. He's playing to the rafters. Yeah, yeah. And which I don't have a problem with. It's just, I, I do wish we got a little more of him a kind of a subdued pullback snipes. And I don't, well, one movie I meant to watch, but it, you know, it's hard was disappearing acts, which was the TV movie he made with, uh, I believe Sanaa Lathan. That yes, was the Gina, correct. Gina yeah. Prince Bicewood movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to dig into. So, you know, um, it's good to have him back properly. Um, and yeah, he's been very open in interviews. So seek those out. I'll link to a, a couple of those in, in the, uh, in the show notes, in the article on the website. And yeah, I mean, in terms of kind of wrapping things up, another thank you to the, you know, the comments and the ratings for, uh, from earlier and, you know, the supporters that we've had and we have, um, we appreciate all of that. Um, got plenty of stuff coming up, uh, we- as, Oh, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say we have another cinephile game night uh, coming up, uh, depending on when you're listening, um, with Letterboxd. Letterboxd, so yeah. Whether if you're listening. And our friend happened. Jen Johans is, is part of that as well. Yes, yes, yes. And um, if you if it's already happened, feel free to watch the replay. If it hasn't happened, you can look out for that. So that's that's coming up. Um, yeah, and Connor, uh, but you could always follow me at DJ Mac on Twitter. Uh, look for my writing. And Connor, I'll pass it over to you to take us out on this fine, fine night. Uh, yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Scruffy Look, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFSB side. Uh, please do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email them to us at bside at thefilmstage.com, B-S-I-D-E at thefilmstage.com. And everybody out there, just uh, enjoy. Keep enjoying your summers if you are and stay cool. And, uh, you know, just be sure to try your hardest because, as we all know, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate. New Jack, New Jack, New Jack,